Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 1. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in times past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversations in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace ye are saved. And hath raised us up together and made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. I'm going to read a few scriptures here. This is uh, something that I began ministering a month or so ago and continues to grow and minister to me. And so I'm, I'm only going to pick out a portion of some scriptures that I had read in previous times. Matthew 10 and 22. And you shall be hated of all men for my name's sake. But he that endureth to the end shall be saved. Does anybody remember looking back? What was the lure? What, was, what did they use on you, you know, to hook you? Was it, you know, hey, it's just a better way of life? Hey, you can get deliverance from the things that are binding you? You know, the appeal is different oftentimes what individuals use and possibly by the hand of the Lord, but it's the hook that reeled us in. I can remember a statement made to me after praying at an altar. The Holy Ghost will lead you and guide you into all truth. You want to know the truth, don't you? Well, there was something about that statement being made to me was, you know, I'd been lied to enough. And to know, <laughs> yeah, I want to know the truth. And it was like the hook. And it was the next week I got the Holy Ghost. Do you remember the lure? Do you remember the hook? Do you remember the pitch? Help me. Tell me. Share it with me. Was there a pitch? What was it? Sister Sanchez.
Okay, there we go. Some use a three-barbed hook. <laughs> and it catches anything it passes by. Anybody else you can recall, you can remember? Nelson. Okay, beautiful. Brother Charles. Really? Okay. Beautiful. The appeal, the thing that drew each of us, uh, you know, it could be just the observation of a life. Or so there was somebody the other day in Puyallup, she said, somebody in her office kind of broke through the crowd and said, I want what you got. Now, he didn't know what she had. But... It was appealing enough for him to speak it out in a crowd of people. Well, she had the baptism of the Holy Ghost. She uh, knows the power of redemption because she's been baptized in Jesus' name. So the blood's been applied. That is a redeemed life. And there was an appeal through this redeemed life. So we all know there are many, many uh, thoughts and ideals that were the thing that maybe gravitated us towards what? Well, attending church services, for the most part. That's where it began, a Bible study, a home Bible study. And then you, you uh, progressed and you bought in. At some point, you bought in. You became one of the fold. God filled you with the Holy Ghost. You were baptized in Jesus' name. And so you know all of these points that we're talking about. And so you decide or you commit and you either keep coming or maybe you struggled and you weren't and then you were and then you weren't and then you were. And, and this happens and this is typical in some scenarios and sometimes in many. John chapter 3 at verse 16. <clears throat> For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Now, I would pose the question to you. Saved from what? See, all these scriptures that I'm reading, the end goal, the end position is that we would be saved. I think it's in 2 Peter where it talks about baptism as being the like figure whereunto baptism doth also now save us. So we know the, the process of baptism, it's, it's not a public confession, but it's a part of the process that brings us into a saved, maybe condition. Are you saved? You know, that was a term, that was the way it was put out back in the 70s. You know, 
Did you get saved? Are you saved? And sometimes you weren't sure how you answered that. Well, yeah, I think so. I, you know, I did this, I did that, you know. But the focus in large part is shifted. It's about becoming members of churches. It's a part about becoming a, a part of the, the larger whole. Sure, there's new life. There's, there's the things that come with uh, a redemptive or a, a redeemed life where the blood's been applied. Forgiveness is given. Are you with me? This is all pretty basic. When we're baptized in the only name that saves, the only name under heaven given among, this is all basic, isn't it? And do you believe it? Do you believe it? Raise your hand if you believe that. So, in the waters of baptism, through repentance and water baptism, the blood that was applied in the Old Testament is applied to my life, and therefore my sins are gone. Now, if I sin, I confess it to the Lord, and He is able and just to forgive me of my sin. I believe that. Anybody else here believe that? So then we're encouraged by the forever settled word to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Now, how do you know you got the Holy Ghost? With liberty, you begin to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave to you the utterance. And so we walk in this. We we live in this day by day by day. And we know that's the Holy Ghost. And, and if it's been any length of time, you've already battled past the thoughts that say, are you sure that's real what you're doing? I've had people go to prayer thinking, I, you know, I don't pray in the spirit very long because after a while I get this voice that's saying, that ain't real. You know, you need to speak in English. You need to speak with your own understanding. Do you believe it's real? And so the Holy Ghost, on the Lord's return, the Holy Ghost is what will quicken our mortal bodies and lift To meet the Lord in the air. That is a spiritual truth. I believe it. Do you believe it? I'm not trapping you, but I am setting you up. Acts chapter 2 at verse 20. The sun shall be turned into darkness... And the moon into blood before the great notable day of the Lord come. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Acts chapter 4 verse 11. This is the stone which was set set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Neither is there 
salvation in any other, for there is none other name. It was up there. Oh, it is up there again. None other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Saved from what? All this communication, saved from my past life, saved from the drugs and alcohol, saved from, uh, you know, whatever debauchery I've gotten myself into at whatever stage of life I'm in, what am I being saved from? From pain, from depression, from misery. Those are all byproducts. But all of this talk about getting saved, what am I getting saved from? Matthew chapter 7 at verse 13. Enter ye in at the straight gate. For wide is the gate that, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many there be which go in there at. Where? Into the destruction. The broad way. It's the majority. The majority go the broad way and go to destruction. Because straight is the gate and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Jesus said, if you believe not, one God, one name, if you believe not that I am he, you shall die in your sins. So it's important for me to know, to wit, that God was in Christ Reconciling the world unto himself. The mighty God in Christ. Unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. The government shall be upon his shoulder. His name shall be called. Come on, y'all got to remember. Wonderful. Counselor. Mighty God. Everlasting. Father and the Prince of Peace. That child that would come. He was the one. He was the Messiah, the anointed one of God, spirit in the body, robed in the flesh. And Jesus said, I need to believe that. Or I would die in my sins. Do you believe that? Do you believe his words were true? I do too. First Peter chapter 4 verse 17. For the time is come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first begin at us, what shall the end be? 
of them that obey not the gospel of God. And if the righteous scarcely be saved, if the righteous scarcely be saved, where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? We've had years of selling the church. We present it. We present, we present the gospel, but in large part, we find ourselves selling the church. Your church, my church, their church. Why don't you come visit my church? You know, and so uh, we don't have a lot here to sell, but, but it is the spirit of God operating in us, and it's the word of God that's preached and declared but still, it's when we think of the idea of, uh, you know, trying to sell this experience and this relationship with God, it still keeps us in a place of selling, pitching, trying to persuade and convince. This is natural. This happens. And when we get rejected, we move on and, you know, and, and so we, we are a part of this thing. We, we sometimes call it evangelism. Okay, and we're, we're evangelizing to reach people because we're a part of what Jesus is doing. He said, I'm going to build my church. And so we, we have bought into that and we, we have become a part of that. Okay, and there's nothing wrong with that. That's that's all right. That's good. That's proper. I feel like we're entering into another time. Uh, I'll, I'll say a new time. And I only know this because of the shift that I'm experiencing personally in my own praying. My focus has shifted, not because I decided I want to go another direction. I only committed to the relationship and the, the commitment in prayer as God would lead me. I don't have a list, and, and I, I felt to say this, I'm going to say this, I hardly pray for the church. I hardly pray for the people who attend the services because of this shift. Now, I think they're in good care and, and all of that, and if God prompts me, but it's not my focus because the focus has changed, because the time has changed, and because of the time, I have to move with him. Now, I'm not selling you an idea. I'm not going to try to persuade you to copy anything that I'm doing. I'm just sharing. And 
I pray to God there will be impartation. I'm going to read a few more scriptures. You with me? We are a Bible-believing congregation, aren't we? We believe this is the forever settled word of God. If he said it, he meant it. If he spoke it, he will perform it. This is all based in him. Okay, so Matthew chapter 5. I don't even know what verse it is. Let me just read it to you. Maybe do a search. Somebody do a search on the word Raka. R-A-C-A. Can't be in there that many times. Matthew. How does this start? But I say unto you that yes, right there. So what chapter is this? This is chapter 5. Oh, I had the chapter. I didn't have the verse. Sorry. But I say unto you that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whosoever shall say to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council. But whosoever shall say, Thou fool, shall be in danger of hellfire. And if thy right eye offend thee, again, chapter 5, I don't know the verse, pluck it out and cast it from thee, for it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish, and not that thy whole body shall be cast into hell. I know, we don't, we don't talk a lot about hell. We'd rather stay on what we call the positive side of things, encourage people, lead people, uh, you know, get them filled with the Holy Ghost. All this, but we don't talk a lot about hell. We don't talk a lot about hell fire. We don't say much about eternal damnation. But yet it's in the Word. And this is what we get saved from. It's not an alternative lifestyle. Look, we found a better way. You know, we're happy. We got the joy and all that stuff. We were saved from eternal burning and eternal damnation. Eternity. Eternity. I'm seeing people differently. I see souls on their way to eternity. Damned to hell. Damned to hell. Eternal suffering, weeping, wailing, gnashing of teeth. My motivation to pray is not to get them to come to our assembly. Because they won't be lost and go to hell. They won't experience eternal damnation. Now, listen to me. I got faith in the word of God. The effectual, fervent prayer of one righteous man will avail much. 
If I have faith as of a grain of mustard seed, I'll say unto yonder mountain, be thou removed, it'll be cast into the sea. Every man's been given a measure of faith. I got that faith. I've got that faith. Therefore, when I call out and pray, God obligates himself to his word. He obligates himself. I don't drive by a person along the road, a vagrant, with pity. I open my mouth. I'm a man. I got some faith. And if I speak out and say, God, save the soul of that individual. God has obligated himself to intervene in some way down the road. Maybe not in that moment, but he has obligated himself. When I speak to a situation, God, according to his word, when I speak it and pray it according to his word, God, they're going to be eternally damned. The blood of Jesus has to be applied to save that soul. That can only be done in the waters of baptism in Jesus' name. This is an alternative gospel. You've got to believe and obey. Obey the gospel to be saved. That vagrant on the road doesn't have a hope until somebody, a believer who knows the word and prays according to the word. And God says, I'm obligated to that man. We look at situations and think, oh, what can I do? What can I do? Tell you what you could do. You can have faith in God that you're the one that he's placed on the planet at this particular time. And that we are entering into the season. And that the body of Christ will begin to travail for individuals. Whether you know them or not. This is who we are in the earth. The earth. The people of the earth are dependent upon the body of Christ. Believers who will pray in faith, believing. Now, I was talking to the Lord the other day, and I said, Lord, I, I don't mean to do this in wholesale fashion, but this is the only way this will get done. And so every time I pass by an apartment building, high rise, I begin to pray for the souls, and I point to the building. I'm praying for the souls that are laying upon the beds in that building right there. I don't know them. You know every name. You knew them before they were in their mother's womb. But you told me if I would pray, if I would begin to speak in faith, according to your word, they need to be redeemed. If they're not redeemed, they're going to eternal damnation. And God, he spoke this to me today. I'm obligating myself to my word. I was in Union Gap one night on a Tuesday night. And then as I knelt just to pray there before the service, 
there was a prayer that came upon me. I began to pray for the students in the high schools. I don't know what all the high schools are, but I knew some. And West Valley came to me and um, East Valley, Moxie, and Selah High School. And so I began to pray in wholesale fashion for the students in these schools. And you think that's ridiculous? My faith says it's not. Because he led me to pray the prayer. And I went through the valley until the list stopped coming. Praying for the students in, that, in these high schools. Now, I've never prayed that prayer in my life. Now, listen to this. I may never pray that prayer again in my life. One time. The effectual, fervent prayer of a blood-bought man avails much. I would ask you how much. There are mornings that when I leave the apartment and head down the road, within blocks I become broken and begin to sob, and I, I can't hardly drive. I, I, sometimes I pull over. Sometimes I just fight through the tears and keep going. Now, that, this isn't my burden. You understand? I've realized that's not my burden. This is his burden. And this is where I want to be, under his burden. For the lost. Look in my humanity. I like people, but you know what? I just got to tell you. I'm human. What about you? I think we got a few angels here, I guess. I don't know. And so, under the burden of the Lord, that's where my trust is. That's where my confidence is. And the inspiration that begins to come. I don't know why that it's happening this way. But one morning, I would leave and I would begin to pray for all the medical professions or professionals in the hospitals, including Madigan Hospital, out on the base, joint base, whatever they call that. And I go until it exhausts and it's done. Now, in my own human understanding, I'm thinking... I don't know about this. But it only lasts for about that long. I'm not suggesting for you. I'm only saying I believe we've entered into a time. And every soul, every believer should be waiting on God, sensitive to the Holy Ghost, how that he would lead and direct us and begin to pray for a lost world. Many there be which will go into destruction. Straight is the gate, narrow is the way, few there be that find it. Now, I, I don't think I'm like a big thinker or anything like that. I believe that God has just tried to let his thinking process through.
Remember Ananias? He was tasked with an assignment to go and pray for Saul. Remember? He had to work up the courage. He had to, he had to resolve that it really was God talking to him. You, you follow me? You've had that experience. I think the Lord's telling me that I should go. Well, you don't do that on a Saul of Tarsus. And so somehow in that process, he had to come to the resolve. God is asking of me to do this thing and left the house and went down the road across town to a straight. How, you, how long do you think he stood on the porch? <laughs> or ran back out to the. Oh, no, he was not human. He was an angelic being that just had all confidence and trust in God. No questions. He was tasked with an assignment. And the odds in his mind were against him. He pushed through it. And he went and participated in the unthinkable to the rest of the community. And laid hands on a man and prayed for him. That he feared for his life from. And God did a work. I'm, I'm persuaded. I've, I've experienced this years ago. But I'm persuaded in this hour. That there would be many individuals. That will be tasked. To do things that you would wonder. Now listen. It's a good idea to use oversight okay you feel like God is asking of you something maybe out of the norm go check with oversight if God is asking you that overseer will know that shepherd will know and you'll feel free to move forward in whatever that is but we we seem to box God in so much and put so many parameters around what he will do, what he can do. But we all stand and quote the scriptures. He's able, you know, to do exceedingly abundantly above all that I could ask or think according to the power that works in. There's nothing too hard for the Lord. We say all of those things, but the minute God would ask something of us, that's, it. that's pretty inconvenient. Or, well, that might be dangerous. You know, we wrestle with those things. We have entered into an hour. We are coming into an hour. I was uh, praying the other day. I had, I had gone and visited a man who was a shepherd at a congregation there in Puyallup. To talk to him about his property, his building. And it wasn't a long conversation, and I was pretty turned off by the time I walked out the door. And I thought, eh, that was icky. But I didn't realize it would have bearing on my prayer the next morning. Let me tell you about that prayer. See, I believe the Acts 2.38 message is the only redemptive message of the Bible. First Corinthians 15 said, the gospel, 
I will declare unto you the gospel, the death, burial, resurrection of Christ. And we know the application is in Acts chapter 2. Repentance, water baptism in the name of Jesus, infilling of the Holy Ghost, no question. Doesn't take an exhaustive study to come to that understanding. Just faith and maybe sometimes a little revelation. Revelation like this man had. You know, when the Spirit of God is present, like it was in this meeting in this house, it's really easy for God to open the understanding of an individual and for them to get revelation just like that. I got revelation of the oneness of God on a Wednesday night sitting on a service where they were preaching about something else. Nobody else was excited but me. I'm sitting there like the whole world is just over. See, because I had, I had attended a church that was Trinitarian, and they told me that the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost were three different, you know, and distinct personalities and persons. And so my picture was, you know, old man God saying to his son out the back door of heaven, son, come in here. I need you to go do something for me. Man is sitting, and I am God. I have to stay up here and sit on this throne. This is a 10-year-old boy. You got to go down and die on the cross. And I never said it publicly until I grew up. I thought, this is the biggest ripoff in the world. <laughs> and, it, and I had confusion over it. So when I was sitting there that night, I realized oh, it was him. He was on the cross. For me, it changed everything. Now, this is a truth that I believe, and now I know from the support of the word that I have studied, it is without question that they would look upon him whom they pierced in the book of Zechariah. And when Jesus said, if you, do not, if you don't know that I am he, to those that were questioning him, he said, you're going to die in your sins. Now, you understand the majority, the largest majority of all, not just the world, but all religious organizations that call themselves churches. They don't believe that. You understand the redemptive message is what applies the blood when I am obeying Acts 2.38. That applies the blood. That brings me into a condition out of my lost condition. You understand the majority of churches do not believe this. I, I don't mean just a few. The largest majority. There is a minority of people in this world. Now, it may be millions now. But there's a whole lot more souls on the planet. Now. How's my approach in praying? How's my approach in my witnessing? How's my approach in sharing the gospel? And what do I do when I go home after that time? And, and it appears as though they're resisting. They're pushing back. They're not getting it. They're, they're pushing back. They're rejecting. They're rejecting him. Okay. But where does that put them? If the righteous are scarcely saved, 
Where does the sinner and the ungodly appear? Eternally damned. We don't use that word either, do we? Oh, eternally we use. But eternally damned. Damned to hell. Where there shall be weeping, wailing, gnashing of teeth. Now, let me read more scripture to you. Luke chapter 16. While you're turning there to verse 19, I'm going to read to you Matthew 23 and something. You serpents, you generation of vipers, how can you escape the damnation of hell? Now, we've only mentioned a few scriptures in the Bible. Okay. Luke 16 and 19, there was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen, fared sumptuously every day. There was a certain beggar named Lazarus, which was laid at his gate, full of sores, and desiring to be fed of the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. It came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell, he lift up his eyes. Being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus, that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. And in hell he lift up his eyes. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receiveth thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he's comforted, and thou art tormented. And beside all this, between us and you there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. This is the dream that you have. I want to pray for you. I believe that there is a burden in prayer that is only from God that man cannot find it, push for it, develop it. It only comes by the work of his spirit. As you come under that burden, your ministry, your ministering will impart this burden. Are you ready for this? Are you ready for this? I've been praying for 30 years. And I've never felt what I have felt in the last four months. From the Lord. While in prayer. As he has led me day 
by day in, in, the, in the shape that I was sharing with you. Now, I, I'm not suggesting it'll be like that. God doesn't need a hundred. He only needs one. He only needs one. That's why we should understand the power of what we have when we come into the company of individuals and leave their company. If we have gotten their name, we ought to be speaking that name in prayer. But if it's just the lady behind the checkout, if it's just the man that looked at you across the station at the pump, at the gas station, whatever it is, I'm telling you, this is what he has given to you. the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus come on he searches for a man and he finds Jesus. Come on, he obligates himself to his word. We pray according to his word. In the name of Jesus. 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 Jesus. 
Come on, he's not willing that any would perish. He's not willing that any would perish. But that all would come to repentance. Come on, let them be led to repentance. Let conviction fall upon many. Because he's not willing, he'll go to any length to save He'll go to any length to save. He's not willing that any would perish. That any would be damned to hell. It's not the will of God. This isn't about you praying through tonight. This is about receiving impartation for, by gifting of God. <clears throat> I had driven up to Mount Vernon just to uh, give some support to uh, Brother Joe Hart in a meeting that he was speaking in. And... Uh, Traffic was really bad driving back down to the south end. It, it ended up taking three hours. While I was in the meeting, I had received a text from a friend, Brother Bruce Bartell out of California. And I couldn't take it because I was in a meeting, so I thought I'll call him when I get on the road. And so I did. And as at other times, we just conversed, talked, shared things with each other. And, and several times I said, well, you know, I'll let you go. And he'd say something else. And we'd go a little longer, and, and then uh, cars are just rolling. And so I, would, I thought we'd talk long enough, and I'd say, uh, well, you know, I, uh, I'll, I better let you go. I'm, and he'd say something else, and... It went on for two hours and one minute when I looked at the call afterwards. But here's what was interesting. In our conversation, the Lord was leading us somewhere. I didn't realize it at first. And I don't even know until after the call how much I realized the Lord had been leading us in our communicating. I had a thought before I called you. It was on this and. We would talk about that, and 
And then we were dialoguing back and forth, and I was sharing some things that I was experiencing in prayer. And again, we're just two brothers, peers, talking to each other. And I get to the corner at Fife on I-5. You know where that's at? I-5 makes a turn towards Tacoma right at Fife. And he says to me, I had a thought just before I called you. And he said, God is not willing. And he stopped right there. And I said, that has been the basis and the empowerment of my praying. Knowing he's not willing that any would perish. To what length will he go to reach one? That has empowered me in my praying. And so I begin to say something about this wholesale fashion praying that I'm feeling. And I told him, I said, I prayed all the way up to Mount Vernon. And if I passed by a high rise, I would just point at the high rise and begin to cry out to God about the souls that were there. And I'm telling you, when I said that, there was a power that came into the car and into his apartment at the same time in uh, Stockton, California. I mean, it was like electricity come over the phone. It was explosive. And I thought, what is this? What's going on? What's happening? And the, and the Lord showed me he was affirming my statement in that very moment. It was supernatural. It wasn't just a goosey feeling. I'm telling you, it was angelic. In the moment, and I came out of that knowing, man, if I've questioned anything, the questions are gone. I'm going to be more aggressive than I've been up to this point. He is not willing that any would perish. Know that. He wants you to pray the prayer. He wants you to have the faith to believe that anything you ask of him, he will do it. Listen to me. You don't base that on your experiences. You base that on the word. You know it says it. He said it. He's affirmed it. He settled it. Therefore, everything that I am praying and speaking that I know is supported by the word of God. My faith is at the max. It doesn't matter what happened yesterday. It doesn't matter what happened praying before for different situations. It's all based here on the word. I said to the Lord the other day, we don't need any mountains to be cast into the sea. But here's what we need. How do you think God feels when you look back at him and he say, and say, you said. Let me share this and I'll hand this back. Okay. I was in a Bible study one night or a, it was just a group gathering at our apartment in, in the building there. We have a room we can use. 
And uh, Brother Pablo Chan had been uh, studying some material, and he had shared it with me because we were working together on some projects. And I said, I want you to prepare to teach that. And I'm going to give you the venue. I want you to teach that. And he did. And while he was teaching it that night, it was about relationship. And it was talking about the advancing of relationship. You know, when we begin in a relationship with God, he's awesome. He's big. He's so abstract. He's so. But when you progress through the various relationships to the Bible, you you get to the place where he's calling Abraham a friend and saying, I'm going to do this big thing on the earth. I, I think I should go talk to Abraham. And he talked about changing the dynamic of our communication with God, where other times it, it might be in awesomeness and all respect, and, and this is very understandable, but you come to a place in relationship with him. He set the, he set the stage. Abraham did not. You're my friend. This is how friends talk to each other. That's what... That is a dynamic that changes. I had not even realized it until I heard myself praying it. Praise God. Why don't we stand together tonight? We have heard the word of the Lord, and I believe he has imparted into our spirit. I would not dare try to add to it. Amen. Could we thank the Lord together right now? he's calling us to we have to make time for I will say that what he's calling us to we have to make time for it takes time amen you are people of prayer and the Lord is taking and inviting us to a deeper place the stories that you've been sharing with me since we started early morning prayer 60 days ago. I know some of you are going into this place. You've communicated seasons of travail, multiple of you, and you're getting more understanding and more impartation tonight. This is the desire of God to save many souls. Jude said, some save with compassion. Having love to some save with compassion. He said others save with fear. Pulling them out of the fire. I think it's important in that verse to understand. He was not speaking of saving them with human compassion. 
or speaking to cause them to be afraid. It has to be the compassion of the Lord. And it must be the fear of the Lord. Not let me scare somebody to death so that they'll be saved. It's not what the word was saying. His compassion, the fear of the Lord, working through us. Amen. I love you. I'm so thankful that God has placed us in the body together in this hour. Aren't you? Amen. Reach someone. You're dismissed in the beautiful name of Jesus.